0: Welcome to Gen Z Warriors, a part of the Gen Z Podcast Network. Today, I'm joined by my former Santa Cruz Warriors colleague and friend, Brandon Nimmers, here to break down everything about the 2021 Warriors season. Brandon, how you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you? Good.
0: I appreciate you joining me. And even though you're a Lakers fan, I'm welcoming you here on the podcast to break down the Warriors season.
1: Anytime. I'll I'll be nice about all the Lakers comments today.
0: I appreciate that. So just taking it back to the very beginning, draft day, we get the news that Clay Thompson, after finally recovering from his ACL injury, unfortunately has another season-ending injury and tearing his Achilles. What's your reaction to the news that day?
1: Yeah, I think it was um, unfortunate, right? So he's like one of those guys that I feel like everybody loves, regardless of your team. Uh, just like Steph, I feel like the, the Warriors have a lot of, likable p- people um so when he got hurt it was just unfortunate and uh, I was wishing for the best maybe it was like you know he just strained it a little bit but it was the Achilles you know it was sad and you have to wonder where the wor- Warriors want to go from there
0: yeah I mean I thought it was absolutely brutal especially because this is a guy who just loves to be out on the court like it absolutely kills him to not play basketball and you could see the pain on his face like the whole season, even exactly. last year, it was just terrible to see. And I actually thought that it would change the way the Warriors went into the draft. I knew Wiseman was at kind of the top of their board going in from all the things I was hearing. But with Clay going down, I actually thought they would switch up and pick LaMelo. What do you think about their decision to stick with Wiseman?
1: <laughs> After that injury, I definitely thought that they needed another guard or uh, someone that could bring in immediate offense and, uh, you know, help Steph run the team more than a big can run a team. Uh, So I had LaMelo as my number one guys for, for the Warriors, but, you know, they took James. I think he has a lot of upside and he could be good in the future, but I don't know if it was the right pick for right away.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's always tough to balance the idea of winning now, especially when you've got a guy like Steph Curry, one of the best ever play the game, but you also have to think about your future and, you and I have talked about this before, but bigs just don't impact the game the way that guards do. And I think that LaMelo and his playmaking really could have eased the burden on Steph who saw double and triple teams all year.
1: Right. I think LaMelo and his ability to not only create for other guys, but to also go get his own. Um, We saw him come in and get right to offense. Uh, So I think that, having that guy to run it when Steph wanted to just play off ball or going to sit down uh, would have been great.
0: Yeah, but you know, the Warriors do end up taking Wiseman and I think it was a little tough for him to start the season because he was centered as like a focal point of their offense, which he wasn't ready for really. He's basically an out of high school player. Like, what were you, what were you seeing from him early on?
1: James, I thought that he was relying on his athletic ability and natural talent uh, more so than looking like a prospect that was prepared to go uh, and be what they needed from him at that at that point. Um, but I do think over the next couple of years that he can develop and be a big piece for them. I mean, he has a little bit of an outside shot, which can be big to go with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. He's a good rebounder, athletic, so he'll be all right.
0: Yeah, Warriors fans are a little quick to to jump the gun and say trade-wise and get him out of here you got to give the guy a chance to develop like would we have liked to see a guard like LaMelo in that spot yeah maybe but you got to give the kid a chance
1: yeah and what is he 18 19? Yeah,
0: 19
1: like, so. I think he'll be fine most players just develop slower right they and the year so
0: yeah absolutely and now all right Draft day goes by, the season starts, the Warriors get blown out pretty much their first two games. And for most of the first half of the season, they were just hovering that 500 line. You'd win some games that maybe you shouldn't have won and then drop some games that you should have won. So it was just really, really up and down start to the season for the Warriors. And I'm curious what what you were thinking when watching them.
1: I feel like... They started better than I expected them to. No hate to the Warriors, but uh, through the first 40, they were 20-20. and Um, I feel like they had some big wins. They they were beating teams like the Clippers and the Raptors and the Lakers, and I didn't expect them to get those wins. But they also had some losses to some teams that you just can't lose to, right? The Magic are not good. Uh, Charlotte was just figuring it out. However good LaMelo was, they were still figuring it out. I don't think the Pacers are good, but – Yeah, I mean, they they went 20 and 20, and then they they were able to figure it out later in the season. So I think the slow start didn't really mess with them that much.
0: Yeah, I think that for me, the most painful thing about that slow start was watching Kelly Oubre with the team and his fit or lack thereof, because there was no fit. He just, the way that he plays just does not go with the Warrior system.
1: Yeah, I think if you're talking about Kelly Oubre's fit, you have to be talking about his clothes um, because there's no other fit. There's no fit basketball-wise. Yeah, I just – I don't know what inspired that trade.
0: I mean, I get it. Like a, a guy who could maybe create a little bit. It was He was a good defender in Washington and Phoenix in those situations. But, you know, when I look back at it, both Phoenix and Washington – were not contending teams when he was in there. So it didn't matter that he was putting his head down, just trying to do his own thing in those situations because the teams were not good. But when you put him next to a player like Steph and he's doing that, it's just, what are you doing? This is this is painful to watch. And, and right. just not learning the system, not learning to set that corner screen while Steph's relocating. It just It just wasn't working out. And it was really evident.
1: So I feel like there were some other guys that they could have went for. At that same time, you know, we saw Evan Fournier get traded for a second round pick. I mean, for two future second round picks. And Terrence Davis got traded for a future second. Kevin Porter Jr. He went for a second, and all of these guys are either better or have more upside than Ubre for me. And they went for something similar. So I feel like if the Warriors would have just did a little bit more due diligence. It would have been able to come out with someone who could have affected the game more for them.
0: Especially with the system of the Warriors, they're big on ball movement, player movement, pass, relocate. And that's just seemed like something that he either wasn't learning or was unwilling to do throughout the season. It was just, okay. it was mind boggling.
1: Yeah. He, I don't know. He, I feel like he decided early in the season that he was a shooter. Or he was this ISO ball player, which he is neither. He's yeah. a slasher that plays defense, he can hit the occasional jump shot.
0: Yep. Eventually the Warriors do start to get rolling a little bit. And then you come to the game in Houston where Steph injures his tailbone and he's out for a little while. Fortunately, yeah. it didn't impact the type of season that he was having. He was still incredible, but it it did mess up the flow of the Warriors in terms of they dropped games that they probably Shouldn't have. I mean, there was a loss like Sacramento. You talked about Orlando and Charlotte. Those two losses came with Steph out. And how how much do you think that his absence impacted where they ended up in the standings?
1: Uh, well, I read a stat that said when Steph Curry was on the was on the floor, the Warriors' offense was top ten or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then when Steph was off the floor, they were the worst in the last five years. <laughs> Right. (laughs) I think that shows you the impact that he has. He definitely needs to be on the floor for them to be successful. And yeah, I feel like it, it it slowed down and possibly messed up his MVP just those couple games. So.
0: Right. Cause had he been there, the Warriors maybe get like the five or six seed. It was definitely something that was possible. You see Portland ended up in that, in that kind of tier. And Yeah, I do think that had Steph been able to get the team to the sixth seed, he would have been the MVP. You just you got to give it to him at that point, especially considering they beat the Nuggets.
1: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think Steph Curry's impact was really one of the biggest we've seen in the last few years. Like if you look at stats like that, right, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, top 10 offense worst in the last five years like that impact is just unmatched. I uh, think Jokic was great this year, but I don't, his impact wasn't that great, right?
0: Uh, it's just so unfortunate that Steph didn't get a ton of help at times that he really needed it. I mean, Jordan Poole went to the bubble, uh, the G League bubble, and came back. Supreme confidence. He was playing great. Just a really nice fit for that team. juan once he started getting consistent minutes was great, but you know, all season long, Draymond was so up and down. His inability or just decision to not shoot the ball. Like, he seemed like he just absolutely wanted nothing to do with scoring. And that changed the way defenses played him and made it so much harder on the Warriors' offense to get anything done.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Draymond is – he's going to have to go into one of these summers and figure out how to score, right, uh, whether it be – uh a 3 three-point shooting a three-point shot or a a 18 footer or a strong float game or something right he has to figure it out because they completely disrespect him uh they're they're triple team and and double team and Steph Curry super high up the court uh close to half court and he gets the ball and he's wide open there's no one in front of him and he's looking to pass right NBA player that's getting paid 25 million dollars I need you to go get a bucket if they disrespect you that way. And I don't know what conversation he needs to have or who needs to talk to him, but he should figure it out.
0: Yeah, especially with this team. He's like number two or number three guy, depending on where you want to put Andrew Wiggins. But yeah, his just unwillingness to shoot the ball it's, even when he got to the cup at times you're like trying to dish it off to someone two feet from you it was just right. I, I just did not understand it at all
1: I I don't I, I'm not a fan of Draymond uh but I think he's he's great defensively and he's a great locker room guy but do glue guys get paid like superstars would be my question yeah. so it's a,
0: it's a valid question but he really did come alive a little bit in that final stretch of games to end the regular season, started looking for his shot a lot more. I remember that Utah and Phoenix game, he came out and I think took the first two shots for the Warriors in each of those games or the first shot. So he, him looking to score and being aggressive in those situations is what allowed the Warriors to be successful and have a good run to finish the season and ultimately land that seven seed in the in game. It was, it was a great finish for them.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, there was a strong finish. Like you guys, was, uh, the final 22, they went 16 and six, along with Steph Curry being Steph Curry and just dominating the league. And if you sent five guys at him, he was still going to score. I think you saw big games from Andrew Wiggins, big games from Draymond Green, just to complete the whole, the whole package and get them into the play-in situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, we really can't overlook yeah. Andrew Wiggins' impact on this team. He's stepped up as a defender this, this year better than I've ever seen him do before. I do, I did like his shot selection better this year than I've seen in Minnesota, a lot less like contested pull-up jumpers, I think, that he shot, but Wiggins was a nice piece for them, and when they get Clay back and he has to be the focal point of the offense even less than he did. Mm -hmm. this year I think he's like a great piece for them
1: I think he played better than I expected him to so since Andrew Wiggin entered the the NBA I've been looking for this really big improvement right Mm -hmm. I feel like he has all of the talent and all of the natural abilities that you can ask for he's huge 6'8 or 6'9 huge wingspan I feel like if he just got in the gym and worked consistently on a few moves that can get him a bucket when he wants one or uh, get that three-point percentage up into the 40s, I feel like he could be a top player in this league. I feel like he's on his way to figuring it out, it looks like. And I think that he really needs to focus this summer because, like you say, getting Clay back, means that he's the third guy now and he'll be getting those wide open shots because they will be chasing Steph and Klay Thompson. So,
0: Yeah. And I was saying all season, my favorite Wiggins is when he's playing downhill, using his athleticism, getting to the bucket, and just getting defenders back on their heels. I think that's when he really was able to shine for the Warriors. And that's what I'd like to see from him a lot more consistently.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: All right. Um, so, now we get to the play-in, and I know you have a lot of thoughts on this Warriors-Lakers matchup. Yeah. Warriors Warriors came out swinging against your Lakers. We took, it, took it to you all in the first half. It was, it was fun, and then second half collapsed. But since you're a Lakers fan, I'll ask you this. What, what were you seeing from your Lakers in that first half?
1: Uh, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, you look at the stats, right? The Star Watch. LeBron had a triple-double. Uh, but he shot seven for 17. Uh, I don't think he was very great. Like, I feel like he had a good game, but not the games you're used to seeing out of LeBron in the playoffs. Uh, He wasn't very aggressive. I feel like he was too passive, but that's the thing we've been seeing all season. And then eighty was 10 for for 24. He also had 12 rebounds and 25 points, so he had a double-double. But I think his double-double was sneaky and late, right? So if you look at the stats... Up until the fourth quarter, he had four rebounds. So he got a lot of late boards uh, that padded his stats along with some free throws late, but I wasn't, I wasn't impressed. I felt like if they played like that, they weren't going to be able to win in the playoffs and it showed.
0: In AD, there's a huge size disadvantage, especially with the Warriors. Like there's Looney as the starting center. He's not a big center at all. And Draymond's guarding AD and he's, didn't want anything to do with Draymond in the paint. It was, it was funny to watch from a Warriors fan perspective, but I'm sure for you, it's like just incredibly frustrating.
1: I feel like that's, that's 80. When you, when you look at the fact that 80 is 6'11 or 7 feet, and then he's going against a guy that's 6'6 and Draymond, right? We understand that Draymond is an incredible defender and is very smart and savvy and knows how to use his body, but he can't grow six inches, right? (laughs) <laughs> he's still 6'6 when you face up so i need you to face up and go score right be aggressive uh also don't stand at the three point line when you're one for six get into the paint get some easy buckets get some rebounds be that big guy
0: for my warriors in that game that first half i, I actually really thought that we were set to win that game, just the way they came out in the first half. Super aggressive. Steph hit that shot going into halftime. Just ridiculous. Three people coming at him, and he mixes them all to hit that fadeaway three on the sideline. And then the second half starts, and it looked like the Warriors were playing to not lose that game instead of coming out swinging like they did to start and keep keep the foot on the gas. It was turnovers, just missed shots. It was, it was rough.
1: Like you said, they came out hot, hot, swinging uh, with haymakers, 13, went up 13 in the first half, but they had a horrible third quarter. They had eight turnovers and let the Lakers respond. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my reasons for their loss. Uh, all the turnovers, 15 in the second half, only five in the first half. You can't turn over the ball 15 times and a half. That's like a game's worth of turnover. Yeah. That's still high. And then there was a lack of output from anybody that wasn't named Steph Curry or Andrew Wiggins. In the second half, Steph had 22, Andrew Wiggins had 12, and then everyone else on the roster combined had 11. It's pretty hard to to win when no one wants to score. Uh, The other guys were big in the first half because they had 31. Um, But in that second half, they just disappeared. And then Draymond Green... (laughs) <laughs> he had six turnovers zero points and five fouls all in the second half uh you have to be better again as a 25 million dollar man
0: that was the story of the Warriors season really fouls and turnovers and guys not being able to hit timely shots is it's gonna kill any NBA team doesn't matter if you have Steph Curry but I I totally agree with you that Draymond's turnovers in the third quarter, particularly killed them. Steph had a number of them himself. He had like four or five. And it's like, when you're the two vets on the team, you're the guys with NBA finals and championship experience. You you can't be having those turnovers. If it was someone like, you know, Jordan Poole having it or, or Mulder having it, it's a little easier to digest than these guys that we know you're better than that. I agree. That game came down to LeBron hitting an incredible shot. You got to give him his credit for that. That was a tough three. He did hit it, but
1: that was a prayer. <laughs> uh, like he said, I saw three backs and I shot at the middle one. Right. Yeah, I'm still
0: laughing think. at that comment.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't think he he meant to do that.
0: But Hey, when you're one of the all-time greats, you hit shots like that. So you got to awesome. give, give him his flowers and, Fortunately for the Warriors, they beat Memphis in the final game of the regular season to secure that seven seed, which means that they got two chances to get into the playoffs. So as tough as that loss to the Lakers was, they had another chance against Memphis at home again, but they just didn't show up ready to play. This time Memphis came out swinging against them and the Warriors were kind of in defensive mode.
1: I think it's hard when you lose a game like the game that they lost to the Lakers, right? A lot of energy early, and they thought they had it. Early on, you're up by 13. You just expect that you can hold that and carry that energy into into the next game, right, and into the playoffs. But it didn't work. All of the energy, all of the, the excitement, the dunking, the talking, it didn't work. So you go into Memphis and you're flat, and Memphis is not. They played well in their first um, playing game, and it was a close game there. They're coming into this game on fire.
0: I was definitely concerned for the Warriors going in, just how emotional of the of a loss that was that they had to the Lakers, and then you couple that with the fact that they had just played Memphis less than a week ago, and now you got to come in and beat this team again, who's incredibly hungry. You got the young guys like John Morant and Dylan Brooks ready to prove something and they came out and did. You got to give Ja his credit. The Warriors challenged him to make shots and he stepped up in every moment.
1: Exactly. Big time called and Ja answered, right? Went out there and got 35 points and six assists, six uh, rebounds, four steals. He was great.
0: And I think the biggest thing is the Warriors said, let's see if you can hit these threes. And he did. I, right. Yeah. At some point, you gotta say, all right, he's hitting today. Let's close out a little, a <laughs> little harder. But didn't exactly happen. But yeah, give that man his credit. He's an incredible young player, bright future, and he came to play.
1: He did indeed. He's he's definitely. Um, I think he belongs in the playoffs. He's hungry. He uh, he doesn't run from the bright lights. I mean, he didn't even in college. Yeah. You know, uh, when he lost in the tournament, he had a triple double that night. So. I think he's he's serious about the game of basketball, and he'll be here for a while.
0: Yep, and his supporting staff, like they really stepped up and helped him out. I mean, you had Grayson Allen, not not my favorite guy, but he hit, he hit some timely shots for them. Uh, Dylan Brooks as well. He didn't shoot the ball that great, but just his energy on both ends. And then for the Warriors, you don't get that. I mean, Jordan Poole, was really the only other offensive output besides Steph, and you just – you can't win like that.
1: I think one of the big guys that you left out for Memphis that stepped up was Tillman. Early in the game, you get Jaron Jackson and Jonas Valanciunas into foul trouble um, by being aggressive and making them work. And then this guy that no one expects to come in, uh, comes in and gets 11 points, and I don't know how many rebounds he got, but he was – He was a big part of that win for me. And then, yeah, like you said, Steph is going to do his thing. He had 39. Uh, Andrew Wiggins had 22. I think Jordan Poole had 19. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, radio silence. (laughs) Uh, Somebody has to step up and help when they completely leave you guys and go to double or triple Steph.
0: Speaking of that, final play of regulation. They did exactly that double step at half court. Draymond gets the ball inside the three point line with no one in front of him and air balls a floater. Like I just, (laughs) what what did you think when you saw that final play?
1: That play is just burned into my memory, right? It hurts uh, every time I think about it, Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson trapped. Steph at the corner of the half-court line and out of bounds. Um, Draymond gets the ball, which looks like an 18-footer about there. From there, you see Desmond Bain. He stays connected to Andrew Wiggins. Tillman stays connected to Juan Toscano in the the corner. And Ja is chasing around Jordan Poole. He can shoot a wide-open (laughs) 18-footer, or he can go dunk the ball. Just attack with some aggression and, and be serious about what you're doing. And instead he throws up some floater, which could have been a pass. (laughs) I don't know what it was, but that's just not what I'm looking for. Again, out of my $25 million, man, you got to either be able to make a wide open jump shot uh, like so many other players in the NBA can make or attack with purpose. Right. Uh, Tillman was sliding over from the corner. You either dunk on him or he fouls you. That's how you, that's the mindset you have to have. And he didn't have that.
0: No, I was stunned by the way that regulation ended. I mean, the Warriors rallied back to tie the game up. And so you you would figure maybe if it does go to overtime, you have the momentum. But then you shoot a shot like that and a chance to win it, that momentum all of a sudden shifts right back to Memphis.
1: Yeah. And then Ja had a big overtime for me. He he said that he was here to play and he delivered, right? They, they tried with anybody they could. They sent Juan Toscano at him. He got a big bucket. They sent Steph at him. He got a big bucket. He answered.
0: As painful as it was for me to see the Warriors season end, I mean, I took three weeks off for podcasting because I had to process it. But, I mean, Memphis earned their right to be in the playoffs in that game.
1: Exactly. Okay.
0: And I think the other play of the game that kind of sticks out in my mind, we're talking about Draymond here is I don't remember if it was end of regulation or sometime in overtime, but he had just hit a three point shot on a previous possession, gets it out on the left wing again, absolutely no one around him, but forces a handoff to Jordan Poole right on the sideline and Jordan steps out of bounds. You just hit a three, the game's coming down to the wire and you have this wide open shot again. You got to shoot it. And it's just those kinds of plays is, yeah, like you say, you need more from your $25 million man.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Warriors are in a horrible cap situation, right? Yeah. Uh, stuck under this contract from from Draymond and a big contract from Andrew Wiggins. right? I think Andrew Wiggins stepped up to some semblance of his contract. I don't know if 30 would be the number for me. Uh, <laughs> but he did look good. Draymond, I don't know if you can tell me that his contract should be what it is, no matter what the debate is. And yeah, that was—I mean, that was at the end of overtime. He hit that big three, and then you get the exact same shot, like you said, and you—you you don't take it. I'm yeah. confused. That's—that's yeah. um, that's your shot, your spot. Shoot the ball, or again, drive with some urgency, and and force them to play good defense or fire you.
0: Agreed. And you bring up the Warriors cap situation, and that's a big thing navigating this free agency going into this summer. What are some of the names that you think are people that they can get given the cap situation?
1: So, the cap situation the, the Warriors are going gonna to be at 168 million, and the cap will be 112. So, 50 million over the cap. I think that. A good move that they could make is possibly trading for a Pascal Siakam or a DeMontis Sabonis. In Toronto, you see uh, Norman Powell get traded out. Kyle Lowry is dangled at at the deadline, which means he's probably going to leave this summer as a free agent. Pascal gets into an altercation with Nick Nurse, right? So you have all of this that leans toward rebuild for me. So if they are rebuilding, you take Draymond maybe package Draymond and uh, the four, the sixth pick this year, maybe a future second or something like that. And you get someone who plays sort of like him, but is a little bigger, right? Pascal Siakam is six, nine or something like that. Uh, He can hit the three a little bit, but he's really a a defender and a downhill guy.
0: Yeah. I remember, you know, you and I talking and some other names you threw out were like, Evan Fournier as a guy they could possibly trade for, which he was good in Orlando. Boston didn't really pan out. It didn't seem like he fit there, especially with Jason Tatum kind of running the show. But I think he could be a good guy off the bench for them, to be honest. If they could get a Tim Hardaway, I don't know if that's possible. Tim really played up his value this postseason, but that's another guy I would have loved to see.
1: I think Evan Fournier will will probably get a team-friendly deal. He's in Orlando, and he's averaging like 18 or 19. I think he was their leading scorer. But then he gets traded to Boston for only a second rounder. So you see his value there, and he stinks it up. (laughs) Uh, So I think that he'll take a team-friendly deal. So I think that would be great for the Warriors. Tim Hardaway, that would be a dream come true. Yeah. Uh, For a lot of teams, his (laughs) offense and his ability to get his own shot. Is huge. I was looking at Goran Dragic or Patty Mills uh, as some secondary guard, uh, guards to run the team when Steph is off the court. Right, mm-hmm. that's big for them. They could possibly go after someone like Nerlens Noel, a big athletic big. I think that works extremely well with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Right, mm-hmm. These guys like to come off screens and throw lobs. Uh, who better than like a Nerlens Noel or Willie Cauley Stein again? and then pj tucker yeah i think would be great
0: i mean he was a guy i wanted them to get this year didn't really have much assets to trade for him i suppose but yeah it's those are some great guys and we see especially thinking about patty mills and Dragic, the impact that a good backup guard has on team like you had sean livingston backing up steph for all these years high iq player and then this year to start the season it's Brad Wanamaker and we all saw how that turned out you you need to have a solid point guard for one Steph's not on the floor just to get the team into what they're doing and be effective
1: <laughs> you were pretty hard on Brad there I think he was he was good in Boston but yeah he's he struggled a little bit I don't think he's a lead guard right you got to look for those guys that have done this for a long time and uh, have succeeded Everywhere that they've went,
0: and then outside of free agency, the Warriors have that six pick, and then I believe it's fourteen, right? So, who are some of the guys you could see in the draft for them taking?
1: At six, I think that they'll probably be left with Scotty Barnes, who I think is a great player. He plays a lot like Draymond. He's a really good defender, has great IQ, and he's a good passer. But he's also a little bigger than Draymond, which I prefer in a power forward, me 6'9". Some other options are Corey Kispert. He'll fall somewhere in the 6-10 to 10 range. Davion Mitchell from Baylor. I think he's great. He's a, a menace on defense, and he knows how to run his offense, right, and get the team what they need to do. Keon Johnson out of Tennessee. I think he was pretty good. The biggest one for me is probably Scotty Barnes or – uh, Corey Kispert, I think they just fit well. Corey Kispert is the best shooter in the draft. I think everybody knows that. Or look for a possible slip, right? Jalen Suggs, maybe if he falls out of out of the top five, but I doubt it. So
0: Jalen Suggs is definitely the guy that ideally I would want, but I don't see him dropping all the way out to six. So this is a good draft class. There's some talent in there that the Warriors definitely could use, or package it to a team that is looking to rebuild for a guy who's been established in the league if I was me that's kind of my preference for the team right now is to trade away that pick to get someone established especially you got clay coming off an injury steph coming off an mvp caliber year but they're all one year older i think that gives them the best opportunity to run it back for a championship
1: they're definitely in win now mode i mean you know, you have this horrible cap situation. So you can't really go get anybody in free agency. You do have uh, good picks in the draft. So you could possibly find the impact guy, but you just have to draft right. And I think they've done that over the years, you know, drafting Steph and Clay and Draymond and Harrison Barnes before he left. And there's a, there's a number of great picks, but trading it away is, is a, is a good, a good plan.
0: We'll see. Now, this way too early to kind of predict things for next season. The playoffs are still going on. But what's your way too early prediction for where the Warriors end up next year?
1: With Clayback, I see them from anywhere from you know five to eight. I think they can they can get in into that five spot. I mean, you have to look at the top teams, right? I think the Lakers will be back and better. I think that Phoenix will still be who they are, and I believe in them a lot. I think that the Dallas Mavericks will continue to get better. The Jazz will continue to get better. So I feel like the top four-ish spots are are locked up, but uh, a lot of teams are going to fall apart in the West, Mm -hmm. right? You have Portland, who I think needs to blow it up, and uh, I don't think the Clippers will continue on like this if they lose this series. I think they'll blow it up, or Kawhi will leave in free agency. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, there's an opening for the Warriors to get it done.
0: I, I do think they could end up in the top four in the league, just kind of sneak in there, especially if they do end up making some good summer decisions. But the West is tough, those top four. Like you mentioned, Phoenix, L.A., Utah, Denver's in there. They'll have Jamal Murray back at some point. It's, it's a tough conference to play in, but I'm excited to see how things pan out.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a, a fun year. I think Clay will be really good. I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, you know, he's coming off two big injuries and he'll be slow to start. I think Clay's going to come out from fire.
0: He's so hungry for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Averaging 26 points. Like I I see a lot for Clay in this coming year, so I'm excited. If I'm not going for the Lakers, all those years in the playoffs, I was going for the Warriors, so.
0: Okay. I appreciate that. As a Lakers fan, you never hear a Lakers fan say that about the Warriors. So, <laughs> respect. But yeah, thank you, Brandon, for hopping on this pod with me. It was fun. You and I think very much alike about the game, so it's always good to just chat it up with you. Get your thoughts.
1: Super fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm happy to get some stuff off my chest about Dreamon and you know other, other players. But
0: yeah, safe space to let it all out. <laughs> all right. Thank you.